Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is a great privilege, as it always is, to be able to reach out to my congregation here locally, as well as to our Saints Network family, uh, who are listening many places around the world. Today, I'd like for us to go a bit old school. Back when, traditionally, Wednesday night or the midweek service, whenever that is for you, was known as prayer and Bible study. And um, I'd like for us to just be able to look into the Bible this evening, or whenever it is you're hearing this, there is no teaching sheet today. I could have populated a couple of pages with lots of verses. That's a, always a good thing to do. We regularly follow that regimen of teaching and study. But today, I just felt like we should gather around the Word and focus on a signature passage in Isaiah 60. Verses 1 and 2 are in my top five favorite passages in all of the Word of God. And so we want to talk about this, and we want to see what Isaiah says under the anointing of the Spirit concerning the day that we're living in. Now, biblical principles are always going to be pure. They're always applicable. No matter where we find ourselves, the, the timing of the release of the promise is not guaranteed with the immediacy of when we quote it. In other words, just because you're quoting a scripture doesn't mean, well, you know, uh, it's not really God's timing, but they're quoting scripture, so let it loose. Um, but the principle itself is going to play out because God's word is true. And I, I believe that Isaiah 60 Verses 1 and 2 really does describe uh, in real time many of the things that we are facing. Now, the pretext of this verse has to do with the plan of the Lord or Yahweh or Jehovah. And it also speaks about the glory of God. Both of those in these two verses are said to arise upon you. And we'll talk a little bit about what what it means for the arising or zarah of God, his way, his, his plan, and the glory of the empowerment of partnering with God in that plan. We'll talk about that as to how that arises and what it means. Because this is what we're being imparted with. Impart, what God is imparting us with right now. But let's read these two verses. Let's talk about what the darkness and the gross darkness means. And then we'll speak about this arising. 
judgment. Again, Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine. Praise God. That, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Now, arise here, arise and shine, is different. It's a different word than the arising of the Lord and the arising of the glory. Just wanted to let you know that so you don't get confused. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, those two verses are what we're focusing on, but you can read the continuing verses in that passage and see that this successful process is what then unlocks the door for the Gentiles to come to the light and kings to the brightness of this rising and uh, people gathering together, sons and daughters coming from afar to be nursed at side and all of these promises that really detail those that God is going to be drawing to the message of the saints throughout the world, which we're already seeing happening, but it's going to be happening in a broader and a more pronounced way in the days that are coming. So, before we talk about the rising, as I said, let's just speak a little bit about the darkness that's upon the land and the gross darkness upon the people. Now, again, the two different Hebrew words are used to describe darkness as opposed to gross darkness. It's not the same word where darkness is on the land and then you've got darkness, but it's really gross upon the people. These are two different words. Uh, the first, darkness upon the land. Now, this word, hosek, is, is really used in a, in a myriad of ways, but the, but the onus of the meaning of this word is, has to do with First of all, the coming of it, the fear, the desperation, the feeling of lost opportunity, which, which happens when sundown comes. You know, the, the, you, you work because the night comes when no one can work. And, and it really implies a spirit of hopelessness that you're entering into something that is going to limit what you can do. And during that time frame, it, it invites thieves. It invites miscreant behavior. It invites you being unaware, less aware than you are during the day. It invites the idea of, of uh, beasts, or animals of prey that would come 
it, it, because they, they, uh, it signifies that many of these creatures of the night can operate in seclusion and under the cover, as it were, of darkness. And so the, the onus of, of this word really is not just the darkness, but it's the mentality that, you know, this is a, a vulnerable time. The onset of it inspires people to begin to hoard or to batten down the hatches. And, and it, it really does describe a lot of what the world has felt and continues to feel in many places. Um, it, it, that type of fear then allows for people in rulership to step up their measures of rule people who are afraid will allow their security to be in the hands of others and once that authority is given it's it's hard for the people who've been given that authority to surrender it so so you've got all of that playing darkness upon the earth you know god separated he identified the darkness the darkness was upon the face of the earth in genesis and god named it night by and and he uh he interrupted the sway of that darkness and you think about why the darkness was there with great all apologies to those of you who have solely surrendered yourself to the big bang theory or some kind of an evolutionary sway um the the darkness was there because of the rebellion of the enemy the darkness was there because of the war that was waged against god the, the without form and void that the scripture very clearly says separates in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void. God did not create the earth um, in a condition of having been spoiled by war. That's what without form and void means. And so darkness was there. Why was darkness there? Because the absence of hope had gripped the earth. The absence of security, the, the, the thief, the killer, the destroyer was roaming about. And it really was more an atmosphere of what good can come of this. So that darkness is, is there. I think it's also interesting that as you study this word, which you can easily do, if you have any Bible program that has the ability to search through Strong's or some other means of searching out how a word is used in the Old Testament or the New, that the last three plagues of Egypt 
were were when God specifically employed the darkness this same the same concept and basically told the Egyptians um, this is this is what you are bringing upon yourself and and I think it's also interesting like if you look at when uh, is Exodus 14 and it's it's also spoken of the same event is spoken of in Joshua 24 6 through 11 that when Egypt was pursuing Israel, God used darkness to separate them from the people of God. God used darkness. It's very interesting. We don't often speak about that, but it's very clearly there in the record in his Exodus 14, 20, and then what's referenced in Joshua 24, 6 through 11. Um, you know, God often allows himself to be surrounded, surrounded by a measure of darkness. For instance, when the law was being given to Moses uh, and the glory of the Lord was there upon Moses and the people could see it, Darkness was around the the mountain. Uh, Isaiah forty five seven. We've taught on this in the past. It says that God, I form the light and I create the darkness. We talked about how that the forming of light was an artisan type of a thing, where like and it was used as a, a potter. P-O-T-T-E-R, forming a vase or some kind of an uh, intricate artwork or even a utilitarian piece. It, the light is formed in the way that God wants it communicated. Of course, light being as the, um, the ways of God in perfection because, you know, white light is formed by those seven colors in the spectrum of of the rainbow those together then form the white light so that speaks about the fulfilling of his ways but he creates the darkness he carves it out utilizes it as it were to show people in me is in God is your hope and your freedom and your deliverance and your meaning and he contrasts that opportunity for people to partner with him in his ways, he, he contrasts it with the hopelessness that, um, that the world would offer. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting. You know, when God named, uh, when God met with Abram as part of the covenant ceremony, you can look this up, darkness was there. Um, God says that he shrouds himself in, in the darkness. Um, he, uh, the day of the Lord, according to Amos, is going to be of this type of darkness. And, and certainly we see that that is upon the land right now. <laughs> darkness 
is covering the earth. But the beauty of it is, on the one hand, you understand the hopelessness, the despair, the, the, the going down of the sun as if opportunity is lost, and people negotiating, either doing evil things or surrendering themselves to some power in an attempt to, to, um, to gain a measure of protection. Um, you see that. But the wonderful thing about it is that for those who follow the Lord, arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And as we said, the glory of God and the plan of Yahweh are the two things that we're going to study about arising upon the people of God, if they're willing to engage in it. You know, when you talk about the plan of God and you talk about the glory, as we've studied many times in the past, that requires something of you. It requires your willingness to embrace a plan that's from God and your willingness to represent that. It's primarily something that has not been known before, something that God is releasing, and he looks for a representative. Uh, and, and then those people who have partnered with him in it to its fruition then have a crown of glory. They have, they have a crown. They, they have an authority from God to represent that thing. God remembers who partnered with him. And that's what the people of the world will see and will come. To, to worship the Lord with you. So, the darkness upon the earth really speaks about that feeling of hopelessness or fear. And God doesn't, he doesn't make that happen. He, he provides the scenario wherein people can either choose or bow to that or become as clay in the hands of the potter. You say, God, I, I want to partner with you. I'm not going to succumb to fear. Per your perfect love casts out fear. So I want to be in the midst of that agape. I, I want to be a champion at your invitation of what you're wanting to do. So you either believe the report of the Lord or you fear. And so God uses darkness as, um, as an invitation for people to partner with him to overcome that. Does that make sense? Now, gross darkness is a different word, as I said. It's, it's not hosek, it's, or chosek. It is arapel. And I, as you, if you study this, you'll see that linguists who study ancient languages 
they, they come to the same conclusions, basically, but they're divided as to whether the E-L at the end of this word speaks about the the effect of Elohim or or actually is a result of somebody partnering with Elohim. Does that make sense? They recognize that Arapel has the E-L ending, and some of them ardently attest to this is a, a result of Elohim. I am in that camp. I think that. But others just say, well, it's just indicative that God is there. Either way, it's 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 something that God is doing. So, gross darkness, Arapel. This word speaks about the, a, a, the dropping of a mist from a cloud. Um, I, I, it's apparent if you say Arapel, if you have any understanding of uh, the, the the Latin languages, you'll you'll recognize the word repel. And you know if you're going to repel down a mountain, that means you're hopefully grasping a rope and you're sliding down, bouncing as as those who repel would do. So it speaks about something that is coming down from a higher source. And, um, you know, in Exodus 20, verse 21, it says, it speaks about thick darkness uh, enveloping Yahweh. This, this speaks about the, the awesomeness of Elohim and the weightiness of what it feels like to, to be in the presence of Elohim, to where you are, you're, you're in the midst of his closeness. You're in the midst of um, that water of, of his goodness. And you, you come away just, dare I say, dripping with him. And so, so how is the gross darkness upon the people? How darkness is upon the earth and gross darkness the people? Well, the earth is beset by the scenario that we just described for the past 15 minutes. But the people have the opportunity to either come and know God in his atmosphere or to worship other beings that try to utilize the the place that God created for men and women to know him. And, and uh, this is not the topic of the day, but some... Some saints who got a little off track have been listening to certain teachings that are out there um, on the Internet. And there are a lot of people who, who have drunk the Kool-Aid of the enemy who say, well, you know, we're gods just like the Almighty God is. And he's just a big bad bully and he's depicting us in evil ways. And 
doesn't he say you'll have no other gods before you? Well, yes, of course. Nobody's pro. It's not. That's not a. That's not a a revelation that upsets the apple cart. What it is is that everybody's going to serve someone. Everybody's going to give their heart somewhere. Everybody is going to either commit themselves to the relationship with God, wherein their their love and their 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 yearning is either given to him or to something else maybe they're not bowing down to devils maybe they're infatuated with money maybe they're infatuated with lust maybe they're infatuated to something else in fact before you go too far down the line as if you've discovered some hidden thing where god is a meanie and he's just holding down these other beings that are also gods you do rem- you do understand that the scripture says that we are gods the, the book of psalms specifically says that and what does that mean it means that we have the capacity through the divine creator to yield ourselves the essence of who we are to the one true elohim and or we can give that to to fallen ones or we ourselves can say that we're a god to ourselves in any of those events the the ultimate the the way god created is the best scenario is for us to come willingly to know god the difference between elohim and yahweh is that Yahweh or Jehovah is the plan of God. And Elohim is really the love, the heart, the, the, the way that God knows us or wants to know us in, a, in an increasingly deeper way. Jacob at Bethel, the place where Elohim came and met with him, there was a ladder where the angels of Elohim we're going up and down, and the Bible clearly says at the top of that, Yahweh was looking down. Are there two gods? No. It's who the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. You, if you want to partner with the plan of God, I mean really partner, you've got to begin by engaging with the heart of God, the love of God. That is the empowerment to partner with him. And Jesus spoke about that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, this is a concept that's through the scripture. Now, most of the general church doesn't acknowledge that, much to their limitations, but that's the way it is. So to, to know to recognize that the gross darkness is upon the people says that there is the ultimate of knowing God, loving Him, being encompassed by the weightiness of Him and to being impacted and saturated by Him, which is why the Spirit of God is spoken of in many ways, many colorful, wonderful, true ways, Among them is water. Among them is oil. 
and 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 really the wind which the breath of god which none of us no person on earth would be living without that so this gross darkness the people really speaks if darkness is upon the land which it is hopelessness fear and you know the whole issue of the the egyptian plagues the the last 3 was showing that you know egypt and the mysteries of egypt and their belief in the sun as being the ultimate god i mean that's false hope and the real god is here and i'm shutting that baby off you trusted in that it's not there so you know the the idea of across the earth right now there is this darkness it's a tangible feeling but the atmosphere the baros the barometric pressure which we talked about last week where you've got the depth of understanding the bathos of the understanding that god wants to release wherever that understanding is there's going to be a a baros there's going to be a pressure and you have to embrace the depth of god but there's going to be an atmosphere and you have to choose who you're going to serve who who are you going whose report will you believe we will believe the report of the lord but this gross darkness speaks about being in commune with God, in the ultimate sense, and his presence coming down upon you, and you being inundated, as it were, with that. Now, the world will try to influence and pressure you in other ways, and to saturate you in other ways. That's the gross darkness of the people. So, again, on the one hand, you have the scenario of what are you going to do with this? But on the other, you have that open partnership which one way or another is going to captivate the people of the earth. Is it going to be in partnership with God, knowing the wonders of Him, or is it going to be being saturated by wickedness so you see this over the past year okay just the last two years you have this creeping darkness which people are afraid of i'm not saying everybody but i'm saying people give place to fear i I remember when the pandemic first started remember you'd go into the grocery store and people would look at you like you you were a a fire-breathing dragon, and they they'd shrink back. And you know, I remember being at the store one morning, and you know, they even had the arrows for flow patterns in the aisles. Do you remember that? And I was just looking for um, for some um, some pods of coffee for the for the church here because I saw that Tom Thumb had them on sale, and there was a particular kind that Fran liked, and I was going to go buy it. And there was an old guy in a wheelchair at the other... He was 
50 feet away from me at the other end of the aisle. And this is 6.30 in the morning, which is why I went there then was, this is when I get up and get around. And I come in at that time. This old dude starts yelling, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And I'm thinking, what is he saying? He's, he's all masked up. He's in a wheelchair. And he's screaming at me. I'm 50, 60 feet away from him. I just stepped up. But I recognize that. Uh-oh. I'm going the wrong way in this aisle. And if you have been to the Tom Thumb here in, in uh, Lakewood over at Hillside, and you've looked for coffee, you know that it's just at the very end of the aisle where I was. So what was I supposed to do? go all the way to the front of the store and then come back down that aisle or could I step two feet in grab the pods that Fran like and be on my way this guy was petrified he was fearful do you remember those days oh you better not do this you better not do that you better wash everything that comes into the house if the postman comes to your house spray it all down fear you turn on the tv oh you got to do this you got to do this don't do this don't do this this law is here this law is there we're going to stop you in the middle of night we've got quarantines we're going to shut this down fear people were willing to submit to it and authority then took over darkness upon the land and then when you submit to that it starts having an effect to you you become saturated something gets a hold of you gross darkness upon the people you begin giving your devotion your heart you begin believing things and becoming them you also see this same kind of thing in other ways and i don't want to go too far with this because we 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 want to really talk about what it means to have something from god arisen upon you but if you believe that society's against you, if you believe that certain colors of skin are only out to do you in, if, if you believe lies that are told to that degree, and you only hang around with people who believe that, then you're willing to be indoctrinated with anything. You become saturated with it. You're just wet and soppy with it. You've given... You've given the place where you invest your love and your heart over to something else and, and you become weighted down by it and you're willing to go to any depth to repel down with it. You are bowing at the altar of a false narrative, but it becomes your God. There are a lot of people like that right now. And anybody who doesn't go along with it, well, you, you are all kinds of names. I recently, with what's going on in Canada, have you noticed what's going on in Canada? Maybe you should take a look at it. They've declared martial law. They are saying they're going to take away the, the freedom of people that are protesting the government they're going to take away their finances they're suspending their bank accounts they are stopping anybody from giving anything toward the cause of these people and uh, this is what 
they're saying right now. Does that sound familiar to anybody and why? Because some people are saying, okay, the pandemic is, is going. We want these mandates and all the restrictions. Canada was a lot rougher than what we were. They were throwing p- people in jail, pastors in jail for meeting. Did, have you been watching the video clips, the news? Just take a look to the north. That's that's what the enemy is testing out pertaining to the things that are spoken of in the book of Revelation and in other eschatological passages. Um, why? Because people were afraid. Why? Because people gave themselves over to an authority. Why? Because then whatever that authority said and their media, Prince of the Power of the Air uh, emissaries, start feeding that dogma. You believe it, and you're saturated with it. Then you're worshiping at that shrine, and you just don't ever get away. This is how Hitler rose to power. And anybody who who would say Donald Trump was Hitler or uh, any uh, Christians or conservative or Nazis, they don't really understand what history is. Maybe you've rewritten history. But, oh, the people are oppressed. They're so downtrodden. They've been, they've been put down mercilessly. I am going to help you. Let us bring you back to prominence. Let us deliver you. Yes, yes. And, and Oh, and by the way, anybody who says anything against us, especially you Jews and especially you Christians and especially on down the line, and then by in a little while, you see Kristallnacht, you see churches being um, barricaded, uh, you see statements that there is no God. Um, and whenever society gets to that, look at communist Russia. Look, look at China. I mean, I, I, one of the blessings is we didn't take a Saints Network trip there, but God did arrange for Debbie and I to be in Moscow and in uh, Leningrad and in, in in the cities in between and, and also in Beijing. And the things you feel there spiritually are outlandish, just amazing. But I, I digress. Darkness upon the earth, gross darkness, the people, we're seeing this it it may not be the full-blown end time but it's it'll do till it gets here that's an old texas stating statement <laughs> um it's it's pert near it that's a west virginia statement so um i i think we need to see this so but god's not intimidated by any of it here he says that when these things happen, it's not that the enemy's gaining an upper hand, it's that God is ready to do something. And um, what does he say here he's going to do? Well, the light is the personification of his ways. And, And as I said, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, and the Lord 
will rise upon you and then that glory will be seen. So the the invitation to partner with something that God is doing in his light according to his plan will rise upon you and then the plan of God will specifically be um, be uh, elucidated upon you, shown, and the glory, what God has ordained to do is going to be seen, and those things will show themselves as an invitation to the Gentile world and to the kings that are in nations, people in authority, both spiritually and in some cases um, in national governments and and that that beautiful those those beautiful things then that we've read about um, that are right there following in in Isaiah 60 so what does um, what does it mean Zara to arise what what is what is that what does that mean? Um, well, Zerah speaks about um, an irradiation, something that begins to glow. It it was used in a negative way in the Old Testament to speak about the breaking forth of a of a skin condition or i.e. leprosy or a rash to where somebody who you know, you see their face and then suddenly something is now on their face and it has grown and it's obvious, it's different. That's, that's what is spoken of about arising. It's, it has primarily much to do with your appearance and not so much a beam of light coming from the sky or lifting you up. It's what's being lifted upon your appearance. And and when it comes to the glory of the Lord, there there will be an illumination just as it was with Moses, just as it was with Jesus. And... Um, there will be there will be times where this luminance is actually seen upon the people of God who are partnering with his glory and who are partnering with his plan in the midst of darkness on the earth and gross darkness the people but it doesn't have to be a luminance it could simply be the profundity of some visible sign upon the appearance of people. You know, the last trip that um, that we were privileged to go into Brazil, and I don't want to go too far with this, but when I left there, the, the day we were leaving, there was something that was visible on my face and it was kind of a rash it was red and for the next many months 
I mean, it was on my face, my forehead. It was on my legs. It wasn't shingles. I went. I wanted to know what it was. I went to five de- dermatologists. Um, nobody could figure it out. They did blood work. They did skin samples. Nobody could figure it out. They were perplexed. And then we had a couple of dreams. I talked about them. And um, from that point, boom, these things were gone. So I know what it's like to have something appear on you that people look at and they say, whoa, what is that? That's different. And my point is not not to talk about what was actually going on there. I do believe that it was a an opposition that came against our going into Brazil. But I believe we've gained a victory over it. And I'm looking forward to what God's going to do when we go back. And we are going back. We're ministering every week, sometimes two or three times a week to the pastors and leaders of Brazil. In fact, I'm going to be reaching out with Pastor Anna here in about an hour, and we're going to be reaching there. But this rising has to do with something visible upon you that is an indication of the ways of God, the plan of God, the glory of God, and it probably will speak about light. Now, why light? Other than the fact that God is light, other than the fact that the ways of God is depicted as light. But if you're dealing with darkness and you're dealing with gross darkness, what's going to shine out to those two conditions is light. So it's like it is a statement of triumph over the fears and the apprehensions on the land and the indoctrinations and submissions on the people who have submitted to that darkness. So somehow it is a a showing forth of triumph. And that's why the Gentiles and the people of the world are going to want to be around that. Does that make sense? So I like the passage, you know, the glory of the Lord is risen on you uh, the Lord is risen on you. Uh, where else is Zerah used? Well, I I love this because m- one of my favorites is Malachi 4, verse 2. And you remember in Malachi, that last book in the Old Testament, it says, The Son of Righteousness shall arise, the Son, S-U-N, of righteous vision how God is directing is going to arise here it is Zerah with healing in its kanaf healing in its wings now there's a lot of things here we've talked about the kanaf the hem of the garment and the 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 train of God's robe we've talked about that we don't have time for that teaching today but it's the placement of God communicated by somebody doing, committing themselves to what he has asked them to do and to be, and um, and how that, in his placement, brings life and victory. But what about this healing in its wings? So if you've got 
God arising here with vision. And you've got the placement of God's kanaf, which indicates your commitment, your calling, where he's called you to serve. What is this healing? What is this marpe? Well, one of the most wonderful illustrations of this is found in the life of Elijah. And um, we also know in Malachi there, in that very end part of the Old Testament, uh, Elijah is coming in these last days to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. We've talked about Elijah a lot, but how did this fit with Elijah? Well, in 1 Kings 18, um, when Elijah is facing off with the, the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth, and you remember that all day long, these demonic people are cutting themselves. They've, they've created uh, wood, and uh, they took a, a bullock and put it there on the wood. And it, the, the, the contest was who, whose God will bring down fire. You remember that. So after they wore themselves out, these demonic people had worn themselves out, um, nothing happened. Elijah's been watching it. He's been mocking them. Um, I think one of the facets of Elijah, there's a lot of things we've learned from studying Scripture, is that he's been watching all this go on. And he ain't buying into it. So in 1 Kings 18, verse 30, after all this had happened, it says that Elijah repaired, or Marpe healed the altar of the Lord. Now, obviously, if you read this carefully, I, I think that these demonic people were had their own altar. It really wasn't beautiful, but they had wood and they put this bullock there. So when they finished, Elijah goes over to the altar of Yahweh and he gathers the people near. Read about it for yourself. It's good reading. And he starts putting the stones together and then he carefully takes wood and puts it there. He takes the bullock and he cuts it in pieces and lays it on the altar of Yahweh. But the Bible says, and then, of course, the pouring water on, which would, to me, indicate, what are you going to be saturated with? You know, if rappel indicates the dew that comes down in the water, you know, we're, we're putting God's plan out here, and now we're going to saturate it with what really is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we're not only going to dash it on there. We're going to saturate it. Now, most times we read that and we think, oh, well, he's, he knows God's going to do it, so he's just, just adding on. He's piling on here. But let me suggest something else in light of what we're saying. These numbskulls, 
that had been wearing themselves all day, wearing themselves out, having worshipped the demonic, were saturated by that evil plan, that rappel, as it were. So here is Elijah. He rebuilds the altar. He heals the altar of Yahweh. And then he pours water. And he pours water. He saturates. And then the fire of God comes. But he healed the altar. And that's something. Let that settle in for a while. One of the unheralded ministries of Elijah is when he watched the debauchery. He waited on God in his timing. And then he rebuilt what God wanted. He healed it. Healing it doesn't say that he built from scratch. He healed this altar. I think that's wonderful, don't you? Wow. Now, you can look this word, trace it. We've written about it and studied about it. But, yes, it does speak about physical healing. It does speak about physical healing. But it, but also a faithful ambassador is Marpe. A, a, a Marpe heart is life. Um, a Marpe tongue is as a tree of life. So, it speaks more about um, it speaks more about putting things right um, putting things in their proper order which would say when the sun S-U-N of righteousness arises with Marpe in the wings it's really speaking about where that line of the of the hem of the garment is, the placement of God where you represent him, that's got to be put in its proper place. That's got to be marpaid. And I I just think that's that's amazing. You know, Ecclesiastes 10:4 uses this word. I think it's interesting. Let's read it. Ecclesiastes 10.4 If the spirit of the ruler rises up against you, do not leave your place, your place, for yielding pacifies great offenses. Yielding is marpe. Doing what's right in in conjunction with the plan of God will bring about what God wants in the midst of rulers rising up against you. Wow. Darkness upon the land, gross darkness, the people, if that rises against you, you be a Marpe individual in the place God has assigned you to be. Amazing, isn't it? Well, let's keep going. We're almost out of time. So we see that 
what rises upon is the glory of God on you, the plan of God, and you see the Son of Righteousness um, with his ways. You see Elijah. Any of these terms apply to what we've been walking together in? Of course they do. It's, it describes the world around us. So I've talked a lot over the past few weeks about this atmosphere, this saturation. And you see things that are going on around us where people are just giving themselves over to unjust things, where freedom and liberty are being cast as right-wing fascism phrases. It's being said, MSNBC, CNN, NBC, the CBC in Canada, they're all saying it. Freedom is a sign of some vile thing. Dear Jesus, God brings liberty, but for the enemy, that is vile. You don't want to be free. You want to be under my bondage. You want to be in saturated by what I am bringing, this wickedness, this evil. But God created this as an opportunity for those who will come and say, I will follow you. I will follow your plan. I will embrace your glory. Let your light rise upon that. And let there be healing when you arise. Let us put the altar of the Lord in its proper position. Let us put the identity and the calling in the in the kanaf of our garment, our mantle, where where you've placed it to touch. Let that be. You remember in Isaiah six where the the train of God filled the temple. That's the kanaf. And the glory of the Lord came. And Elijah and Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. And as Pastor Larry preached a few years ago and reminded us of, that coal was really a stone of the altar. And it touched him. This is what God is asking us to do. Oh, I know it's it's not... I don't like being around darkness. I don't like being around the saturation, the bathos of the enemy, the, the doctrines of Satan. I don't like that. I don't like being around those who are giving themselves, who are dripping with this nonsense. They're drunk with it. And they don't like anybody who's not drinking the Kool-Aid. But it's God's opportunity for his light to come. I, Elijah mocked them. Sadly, not many days later, that transitional opportunity really got the best of him. And, and really the solution for us is to commit ourselves to what God has prophesied in his word, which we've just looked at to understand what God's really doing. Even though we don't know all that he's doing, we see his principle in operation. 
to look up instead of down, to have agape instead of fear, to say, Lord, what is your way? What is the altar you want? What sacrifice do you want on it? We want to be saturated by you. We're going to be faithful in our place where you've positioned us. Your light is going to come. And because of those things, Gentiles are going to come to that rising. Kings of nations are going to come. Sons and daughters are going to be brought forward. And the rest of what Isaiah 60 prophesies. But it's because somebody, say amen, somebody, because somebody, is it you, in the midst of the darkness and the gross darkness said, I am going to commit myself to the ways of God, to the plan of God, to the glory of God. I'm going to build his altar. I'm going to represent what he's asked us to be. I am going to take my stand in my Bethel, and I'm going to believe for what God wants. I'm going to be saturated by him as offensive and as oppressive as the wickedness of the enemy is. I'm going to welcome the weightiness of my God. Wow. And those who just want to have goosebumps and get together and sing kumbaya and want everything easy and they just want to rebuke and bind and cast out and decree away these things. You know what? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. By force, remember, means you're going to take a stand and no matter what comes, you're when you've done all to stand, you're going to stand there for. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Is it easy? Is it Without a fight? No. But God is with you. Whose report will you believe? We believe the report of the Lord. So I say again, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let that be our understanding in the midst of these rather odd days, choice days, that God in his infinite wisdom ordained that you and I would live in to serve him. I speak blessing over you today. And I, I speak encouragement. I exhort you in the name of the Lord to remain faithful not give up but to submit yourself unto the mighty hand of God and you will be exalted in due time humble yourself for God exalts the humble that rising that exalting is God's way so let's be that well been nice being with you um enjoyed this time in the word together i know we gave a lot out but you can study this for yourself 
you have a Bible program, study it. These verses are all there for you. And you can listen to this again if certain part of it was confusing to you. As soon as Scott puts this up, you can go on our website, you can go on Spotify, you can you can play it faster, you can skip back, you can pause. Utilize this study, not because it's of anything that I said, but it's because of the Word of God. God bless you all. Until next time, keep praying. Know that we're praying for you. And goodbye.